Pastor Xavier Reese with this simple truth. Let me say this, that I believe for every pastor, teacher, woman that is out there, there is a disobedient man to the call of ministry. It's just that simple. I can't conclude anything else from the study of the scriptures. Listen, ladies, God wants to protect you by your husband. He's there as a type of Christ to love you and to care for you. And he wants that to go on in his church. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Yep, the times are a-changing, as one popular songwriter observed some time ago now, with women as firefighters, in the military, even the men's professional golf tour. Why would anyone think it improper to have a woman as pastor? Although this question may be on the minds of many in recent times, Pastor Xavier turns to Scripture for the answer to God's divine order of authority. Let's get right to today's important, simple truths. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. As Paul addresses the women here at Ephesus, Paul declares three important truths about the woman's order in public worship. Let me read verses 11 down to 14. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission, and I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Here are the three truths about a woman's order in the public worship. First, the woman is to learn in silence in the public worship. Verse 11. Secondly, the woman is not to learn or have authority over a man in the public worship in verse 12. And then thirdly, the woman is to understand the scriptural reasons that limit her in the public worship. The woman is to learn in public worship is the first thing he says. Listen to verse 11. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. Now, this particular command some say is teaching that a woman or the women in Ephesus were disrupting the teaching and asking questions of their husbands, others, or even disrupting the teacher. Now, in the text, we can't find that. It may have been happening, but we can't find that in the text here. We do find that in 1 Corinthians 14, 33 and 35, and that was happening. It could have been here, but we can't find it in the text here. All right? The woman, Paul says, is to learn in silence with all submission. He's dealing with the aspect of teaching. This is the crux, not the fact of her disruption. This particular command wasn't teaching that the woman couldn't say or do anything in the public worship. For we already have read in 1 Corinthians 11.5 that the woman could pray in the church and the woman could prophesy. She doesn't just come and zip it and don't say a word until you go home. That's not what it's talking about. People take it out of context. Notice secondly, in verse 12, the woman is not to teach men in the public worship. He says, and I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man but to be in silence. And he repeats the word again. 
the parallelism in these two verses is unmistakable, as well as the contrast. Follow with me. The word silence in the phrase silence with submission parallels to teach and have authority. Verse 11 is the positive. Verse 12 is the negative. Silence is a complement to submission in verse 11. And silence is a contrast to teach and authority in verse 12. Silence, submission, teach, and authority are complementing parts that comprise a functioning whole by the men and women in the public worship. The only place in the New Testament that we have anything close is a missionary couple, Achille and Priscilla, who are instructing another man, Apollos. But as you read the context, you're going to see that the correction was done under the headship of her husband, and it wasn't in public worship. It's in Acts 18.26. It says, So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, meaning Apollos, when Achilla, husband first, and Priscilla heard him, and they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately, because he was only preaching the baptism of John. It was a husband and wife team. The husband mentioned first. She was under his authority, and they both did it and not in the public assembly of worship. That is the closest thing that you can ever try to find to try to prove your point if you don't believe what I'm teaching this morning. Nothing else you will find. The argument that is brought up often, and you've had it confronted too, is that there are so many women who are pastor teachers, and God seems to be using them. And I say, God is gracious and God is good. But the fact that something is going on does not make it scriptural. It's a foolish argument. But let me say this, that I believe for every pastor, teacher, woman that is out there, there is a disobedient man to the call of ministry. It's just that simple. I can't conclude anything else from the study of the scriptures. The command that prohibits women from being pastor teachers is due to the fact that they would be teaching men and having authority over them. And that, in effect, would be contradicting and being inconsistent with the command of younger widows to marry, to raise children, and to manage their homes. Literally, to be stayers at home and homemakers. And if they were pastor teachers, they would be disqualifying themselves. 1 Timothy 5.14, Titus 2.5. And here in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, the qualifications. You could not be a full-time mother and a full-time pastor. So how would you reconcile the scriptures? You can't. The Greek grammar determines the correct meaning of our text. And the standard for the church, not our culture or opinions. We must be good Bereans, Acts 17, 11 with all readiness of mind to receive the word of God and to search the scriptures to see if they're so. Very important. It has only been since 1969 that the progressive revisionist view began to appear in the literature of Christianity following the promoting of women's movement in the 60s. And many of the churches have gone that way. 
And they come to this, they say, well, this is cultural. You know, Paul didn't mean that for today. Oh, no, he meant it for today. He meant what he said. And he said what he meant. To not allow a woman to teach and have authority over a man in the church is not male chauvinism. It is not machoism. It is wisdom, and more than that, it is scripture, and we must obey because it is inspired of God, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. I have no option. I cannot make things any broader than God has made them. The woman is not to teach or have authority over a man in the public worship. Now, thirdly, the woman is to understand the scriptural reason that limit her in the public worship. So he gives a reason for it. He doesn't just say it, but he lays it out. Verse 13 and 14. Notice first in verse 13. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. So first of all, God's creation denies headship to the woman. This is the scripture reason why he is commanding this. He uses the scripture of history, the fall, to back this up. Adam was created by God first. Adam was not created by God second. Adam was not created the same way as Eve was. He was created of the dust of the ground. Adam was given the headship over the garden. Adam was given the commandment by God. Adam was given the headship of God's creation. He named all the animals. Adam was given the headship of the home. For this reason shall a man leave his mother, cleave his wife, the two should become one flesh. Leave, cleave, one flesh. Now, Eve was created by God second. Eve was to be Adam's companion, help me, complement. Eve was taken from Adam's side to be protected and cared for, more refined. Eve was to be the complement, as I said, or the helpmeet of Adam. She was created for him. And Paul makes this very clear in 1 Corinthians 11, 11. The woman was made for the man, not the man for the woman. So Paul gives this first reason. Because God denies headship to the woman. We've all seen when a woman is domineering over her husband or the home. And let's take an extreme case. It is ugly. It is destructive. Secondly, God's declaration is that Adam was not deceived. Whoa. Pretty heavy. What do you mean? Adam was not the, the object of Satan's attack. He came to the woman in Genesis 3.1. The word deceive here means to cheat or beguile, which appears four times in the New Testament. Ephesians 5, 6, Timothy 2, 14, twice, and James 1, 26. Adam heeded the voice of his wife, Genesis 3, 6, and 17. He was not deceived. He knew what he was doing. He willfully sinned. Adam and Eve both acknowledged Eve's deception before God. What would you do? It's the woman. And the woman said, it's the serpent. Deceive me. Adam failed in his headship role to lead his wife 
in spiritual matters. Instead, he followed. Adam was held responsible for the fall. Have you ever thought about that? Because he was the representative or the federal head for the human race, not Eve. Paul in Romans 5, 12, 14 says that sin came through one man, Adam. And in Adam we have all sinned. He held Adam responsible even though Eve blew it. And then he followed. Why? He's the head of the home. He is the federal head of the human race. You want to talk about fair? I don't think that's fair. But that's what God says. <laughs> but it is fair because to him was given all the authority and dominion. And he abdicated that position. Notice thirdly. God's revelation is that Eve was deceived. But the woman being deceived fell in to transgression. Eve was deceived by the serpent. If you read the record in Genesis 3, 1 through 6, he began to converse with her. And the word I hear deceive is again the same one. Okay? Thoroughly, completely, she was duped by the serpent. You know the difference when you've been deceived. Someone has led you in and reeled you in and you thought that they were there for the best and all of a sudden they just pull that string and there you fell and you go, you were taken in. And you know when you know right and wrong and you say, I don't care, I'm going to do it. She gave ear to the serpent, to Satan. She added to God's word. She gave in to her emotions and desires. Eve was deceived by believing the lie and rejecting the truth of God's word. She allowed the lie to move her to disregard God's warnings and disbelieve the consequences. The day you eat, you shall surely die. She allowed Satan to plant doubt in her mind about the goodness of God. Has God said, Eve knew the truth of what was right and wrong. Otherwise, God would be unjust to punish her. She knew right and wrong, but she was deceived. She was taken in. Like Eve, some of the women of Ephesus were deceived completely and totally in violating the order of God's creation by teaching and exercising authority over men in the public assembly at the house of God. That's the context. Eve, being deceived, fell into what? Transgression. Very clear. She abandoned her divine appointed role of submission to Adam, and she took the lead. She introduced Adam to the forbidden fruit, and he ate. Now, the usual way that people explain the prohibition of women to not teach men or usurp authority over them is that, again, it is cultural. As we moved and have moved through our text, do you see that this is not so? It is not cultural. It is scriptural. They fail to connect these two following verses of God's creative order of Adam and Eve as well as the revelation that Eve was deceived and not Adam. 
He gives biblical, historical references for his reason to prohibit this. The reasons are not cultural, nor are they limited to the geographical location of the church of Ephesus. They are scriptural. These reasons are valid for all times and all churches where the gospel is preached, and they cannot be altered or contradicted. These reasons prohibit any woman from any position in the church by which she would become the head over a man without the proper oversight of the ruling authority of the leadership of the church, of the presiding man. It is very, very clear. Now, we have women do many things around here, but they're under the authority of the leadership. Women are over women, but women are not over men. You remember Amos the prophet? He said, can two walk together except they be agreed? It's a rhetorical question. It means no. To walk in harmony with God, we must agree with his word. And in this area, it is of the greatest importance for the male and female role in the order of the house of God. In principle, can two walk together except they be agreed? No. The principle here applies so strongly that we dare not override the command for protection, for complete protection. It isn't the rule, it's to protect. That's the injunction of the scriptures. The women that appear in the Bible, both Old and New Testament, are never presented as teachers, either of Israel or of the church. Let me give you some of these. Phoebe is a deaconess in Romans 16, 1 and 2. The women who uh, ministered to Jesus, they ministered of their substance. They weren't teachers, and they weren't teachers over men. Luke 8, 1 through 3 is one of the areas. Dorcas, remember Dorcas? She was a woman of good works and of charitable deeds in Acts 9, 36 and 39. But she wasn't a teacher. Lydia opened her house to hospitality as Paul came to Philippi and, and, and brought the gospel into Europe in Acts 16, 14, and 15. But she wasn't a teacher. Priscilla ministered with her husband, Aquila, to Apollos, as we mentioned. But his name is mentioned first, and it was outside of the worship, not inside Acts 18, 24 to 26. Esther, Ruth, Odia, Syntyche, Lois, Eunice, and many others who are mentioned were used by God, but they were never used by God as teachers or those to exercise authority over men. The times that women do appear in leadership roles is when the nation of Israel was in spiritual apostasy or degeneracy. That is very, very clear. Let me give you some of these. You remember Deborah the prophetess? In Judges, you know, Judges was a time when everyone was doing that was right in his own eyes, apostasy, okay? Deborah declares clearly that it was a shame to the men that God would give the leadership and the victory to a woman in Judges 4.9. The men said, are you going up to battle with us, Deborah? She goes, yeah, I will, that God may show you that he'll give it to a woman. Whoa. When we see a woman in leadership is when the nation has been in some degenerate spiritual state. 
Never when it's healthy, walking in obedience to the spiritual commands of God. The women were in the leading role over the men in the times of Amos, the prophet, in the northern kingdom, oppressing the poor and crushing the needy and telling their husband, come on, bring us some liquor so we can drink, Amos 4.1. And the men go, okay, honey, I'll be right there. Interesting. The image of a woman is always used in Scripture to portray false religion. Matthew 13, 33 and Revelations 2, 20, just two of many examples. The interesting thing to notice in our day is the great number of prominent persons in cults and occults that are women. Not to say that men aren't in there, but the rise of many women as leaders there. The science and mind and new age leaders of our modern day are there are strong-willed women such as Shirley MacLaine, Chandler's up in Oregon like A.J. Knight, the pronosticators, tarot card readers, the astronomers, the palm readers, uh, the majority of them are women. The obvious implication of what Paul is saying is that the women of Ephesus were being spiritually deceived. Not all, but a good number. This by no means infers that the woman is inferior intellectually, morally, or spiritually, but only that perhaps she is more prone to being taken in due to her emotional makeup that affects her decision-making. Therefore, God has designated her to be under the protection and covering of the man for efficiency in complementing design of the home and the church. A very simple and practical example will make my point. I know many women who have been deceived and been taken advantage sexually, thoroughly believing that the man loved them. I have never met a man who was deceived sexually because women make decisions on their emotions. They know right and wrong, but the way God has made them. Their head says no, but their heart says, but he's so cute. <laughs> but he said he loves me. And there has to be this element involved in what Paul is saying, never implying inferiority, never implying anything less for the woman. Listen, ladies, God wants to protect you by your husband. He's there as a type of Christ to love you and to care for you. And he wants that to go on in his church. And so the woman is to understand the scriptural reasons that limit her in the public worship. He lays it out for us. He has declared to us these three important truths about the woman's order in public worship. The woman is to learn in the public worship, in silence and all submission. The woman is not the teacher to have authority over a man in the public worship. And the woman is to understand the scriptural reasons that limit her in the public worship. What should we say? That's the scriptures. It's not our preference. It's not our subjective opinion. It's, it's scripture. May God give us the strength and the wisdom to obey. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, drawing to a close a never more appropriate message for the times we find ourselves in. We've been studying the topic of women in church leadership in a message titled, Women, Learning and Teaching, today and last time. Now, if you missed any part of the message, we encourage you to contact us for your own personal copy to listen and absorb at your own pace. Then pass on to someone else you know who would benefit from this teaching. They're available on CD for just $4. Just mention the title, Women, Learning and Teaching, or today's date when you get in touch, and then address your request to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Today's study outlined God's authority for men and women in the church. And next time, Pastor Xavier Reese advances our series in 1 Timothy with more instruction on church leadership with the office and qualifications of a bishop. Hope you'll tell a friend and join us then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 